We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. Ephesians chapter 6. I want to just read for you a few scriptures here from Ephesians, uh, the sixth chapter. I'm going to begin in verse 1 because I want to kind of build a little bit of a concept here that I want to bring to you today. I'm going to switch out here for sound. It begins like this, children. That's where Ephesians 6 begins, children. Now, uh, if, you, if you know Ephesians 6 and you understand that Ephesians 6 is the armor of God chapter. Uh, this, this is where we teach, learn, understand the armor of God. We learn it here in, the, in Ephesians, the 6th chapter. This is where Paul will instruct us and educate us on putting on the armor. Now, before this moment, before Ephesians 6, we, we, we don't have any kind of explanation about the armor of God. And really, uh, up until this point, we don't even know that it's available to us. If you're reading the Bible from beginning to end uh, and you start in Genesis, when you get to Ephesians 6 and you start reading about the armor of God, uh, this is news to you because at no point in the Bible has God instructed us to put on any kind of armor. And if we have any kind of connection to this or any kind of example, it's David. When David goes to fight Goliath, um, Saul tries to put his armor on him, and he says, no, I don't, I don't, I don't need this armor. I, I haven't proved it. I don't feel comfortable with it. I'd rather just go how I go. And so uh, learning about the armor of God is, is a new concept when we get to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And so Ephesians chapter 6 is a very important chapter in your Bible because it illuminates us that we have protection against the enemy that we can put on every day. And, and up until this point, we don't, we don't understand, like, what is my protection against the enemy? And we can say prayer, we can say study, we can say fasting, we can say, uh, you know, reading the word, educating ourselves. I believe all that is true. But Paul gives us a specific design to be able to withstand the wiles or the, the ways or uh, all of the different opportunities the enemy would like to take on us and on our lives. And so this is how this chapter begins. It begins with children, which is very, very interesting to me. And we're, we're about to see a pattern here. Watch what he says. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And then he tells us what that promise is, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, now we, children, fathers, then he's going to reset. He says, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and with trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not as eye service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good 
thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And then he says, and ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him, with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and then the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, if we're just teaching about the armor of God, if we're just teaching, if this is the armor of God lesson, then this is where we start. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Matter of fact, every message that you've ever heard preached about the armor of God, you think that Ephesians 6 starts this way. Finally, my brother, you think this is how this chapter starts. That if you've never really studied it out and you don't understand the concept, this is how you would think the last book of Ephesians begins with finally my brother, but it's not. That's the 10th verse. He, he, he has laid a foundation for the concept that he's trying to teach before he teaches the concept. We understand that Paul writes in two ways. I've said this a thousand times. I'm going to keep saying it because when you begin to read the Bible like this, it, it will illuminate to you. You will begin to understand it much better than you understand it now. Paul writes in orthodoxy, orthopraxy. He writes in two ways. He writes about right believing and he writes about right behavior. And this chapter is about right believing, right behavior. He's pointing out a concept and then he brings in a spiritual context. And here's how he begins that, that, that con that this concept of the armor of God. He begins it with the concept between children and fathers, servants and masters. Children, fathers, servants, masters, us, and God. This is a chapter about submission and authority. That's what this chapter is about. When you submit underneath something, then that thing that you submit to puts a covering over you. There, when, when you submit to that authority, that authority has a responsibility now to cover you. So children, be submitted to your parents. Matter of fact, honor your mother and your father because this is the first commandment in your Bible that has a promise attached to it. You should do this. He says, this is right, for it is right. This is right. He says, this is the first promise in your Bible it's the first promise in your Bible, or it's the, first it's the first commandment that has a promise. And that promise is that it will be well with thee, that you're going to be all right, and that you'll live long. Now, that's, that's two really good promises from my perspective, that everything's going to be well with me and that, I'm, that I'll live long. I mean, I, I like both of those things. I would like it to be well with me, and I would also like to live long. Those are two things I can get down with. I can jam with that. I want, I want things to be well with me, and I want to live long. Those are, those are two promises that I can get behind. Amen? And he says, and fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And this is my lesson today. I want to teach you today on nurture and admonition. This is a Father's Day lesson, by the way. I know that you were thinking that this is going to be an armor of God lesson. Nay, nay. It's going to be a Father's Day lesson today because I want to talk to you about nurture and admonition because we have left nurture up to our mothers and it's not biblical. 
My lips are dry. When we see the word nurture, we think about nurture, we, we automatically think about mom. You know, I mean, my mom was what I consider in my concept the nurture of my family. You know, she nurtured me, um, but I, I, I got nurture wrong. You see, because when I think of nurture, I think of nursery. You know, I think of, uh, you know, that care and that love and that, you know, you know, when I think of like nurturing a plant, you know, you, you water it and you, 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 you know, you take care of it and you make sure that it's in a good environment. And uh, that's not what the Bible's talking about. Silly me. Silly me, you know, thinking that nurture, you know, meant one thing, but it actually means another thing. This is what nurture means in the original concept. It is a word uh, that you pronounce pahidia, pahidia, and it, it means several things. This is what it means in its original context, tutorage, education, training, discipline, instruction. Now, does that sound like nurture to you? Does that sound like your concept of nurture? No. That's not what we think we think nurture. We think nurture, I mean, like, I'm, I'm looking for that, you know, chicken noodle soup. I'm looking for mama, you know, patting on my back. I'm, you know, looking for that nurture, you know, make sure baby's taken care of, baby's clean, baby, all these things. And this, and I believe that we do find that in a mother, that a mother is genetically predisposed to provide that for a child. Like, like God put that in you. That's your DNA. But this is not, this is not a verse for mothers. He said, honor your father and mother. So he's making a, con he's making a contrast. He, he understands the contrast. Honor your father and mother, for this is right. It's the first commandment in the Bible. It's the first commandment with a promise. So he's making a, 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 the, the contrast. But when he comes to the, this, this verse, he, he doesn't say, and you fathers and mothers provoke not your children. He doesn't say that. He said, you fathers. Because this is not a verse for mothers. This is a verse for fathers. Because it is the father's job to tutor, educate, and discipline. Now, this ain't gonna fit. This ain't gonna fit with your American ease. This ain't gonna fit in you. This ain't gonna fit with your culture. It's not gonna fit. I'm probably gonna make some men mad. I'll probably make some women mad too. It's okay because I'm in the Bible. And, and when I'm in the Bible, I can't make any kind of, um, you know, concessions because it's Bible. And I know it's Bible because we are so messed up today in this society. Because we have a lack of fathers who don't understand nurture, instruction, chastening, chastisement, disciplinary correction. That's what nurture means. Watch, watch, watch what the Bible says about the word nurture. Watch what the original word nurture, in, in its original context, what it means. It means the whole training and education of children, which relates to the cultivation of mind and morals. Not math and English. Mind and morals. Not social studies and political science. Mind and morals. Morals. You know where your children get your, their morals from? Fathers. And we have a lack of morals in our society because we have a lack of fathers. I can literally show you the downfall of this country by showing you the fatherless home 
pandemic. We need men who are willing to train and educate children. Amen. Most of our education in this world today is done by women. And thank God for it, or we'd have a bunch of stupid kids running around. This is facts. Thank God for it. And they are fantastic at their jobs, teaching math, science, understanding. Like, like, like we get all that, arithmetic, like, like we, we understand that. But that's not what the Bible's talking about when it's talking about nurture. When the, when the, Bible, when the Bible's talking about fathers, he's talking about mind and morals. Morality comes from an authority figure that a child must submit to. That authority figure puts upon that child training, education, to provide that child with mind and morals. How you think and how you act. And if you got stinking thinking, you will have stinking actions as well. And it is a father's job to teach children how to act. Morality. You are doing no service to your children by not admonishing them, by not punishing them. Now, I know, you know, punishment has changed drastically, and we understand Proverbs 13. You know, we, we, we get the saying, spare the rod, spoil the child. We get that from Proverbs chapter 13. And, 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 and if you read that, that verse, and you understand that verse in its context, that the rod is literally a, a, a this is what that word means in this original text, a stick of punishment. That's what it means. Now, some of y'all too young to, to know what a switch is. But there's a few people in this room today that have, we have a long-running relationship with a switch. Now, my mom and dad were switch people, and they would, get, they would make you go pick your own switch. And if you didn't pick the right kind of switch, they was going to take that switch and tie it in with the other switch you got. You're just setting yourself up for failure. And a switch was just, 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 a, just a little branch of a tree that, that my mom would either make us bend over the bed and, and paddle us in the right place or hold out our hands and paddle us in the right place. I remember going to um, Lowe's, uh, you know, when, when Lowe's was just getting started, and my mom found out that they would give you paint stirs for free. And she will go to Lowe's and get two or three paint stirs at a time. No paint, just the stirs. No paint, no paint. Just the paint stirs. And nowadays that paint stir is like super thin. You can break it with two hands. But, but back then, back in the 80s, them, them paint stirs was thick. They made it out of real wood, you know what I'm saying, real lumber. And, and, and that little paint stir would do a number on the side of your little leg when you was acting up in church. Now, I understand that punishment has changed over the years. Culture has changed punishment, not, not God, but, but culture has, has changed punishment. You know, but, but I, know, I know children that are not punished at all. You know, 
And, and if, you, if you spare punishment, then you will spoil the child. The, the child will be no good if it doesn't don't understand. You know why? Watch this. Um, it's in my head. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, that verse says, that verse in Proverbs 13, I don't, ha I, I, I don't have it in my notes. It says, if you spare the rod, then it says that you must do it betimes, B-E-T-I-M-E-S, right? That's, that's the word. If somebody look it up for me, Proverbs um, 13, here, I'll, I'll do it faster than you can. That verse is in Proverbs chapter 13, and if I'm wrong about that, I'll repent later. But I'm 100% sure it's in Proverbs 13. Thirteen and what? Thirteen and verse twenty-four. Sounds right. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. Now we say spare the rod, spoil the child. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you spare the rod, you hate your children. You hate them. Now, if you don't want to punish your child at all because you know you read some book or somebody's blog, that's up to you. But the but you will ruin that child, hundred percent. This is okay for Bible study. Y'all can just, y'all can leave whenever y'all want. Y'all go get coffee. We're going to have service at 11. But like, if you hate your kid, like if you don't care about your kid's future, just don't do anything at all. Just let them do whatever they want to do. Let them run, let them run them out. But, 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 but here's what I want to show you. But he that loveth him, chasteneth him, be times. What's be times? Chasteneth him be times? Be, you mean behinds? <laughs> That's a weird word there, ain't it? That's a weird word, betimes. It's not a word that we use today. You know what it, you know what it means? It means early. Ain't the Bible. The Bible is really good. But he that loveth him chasteneth him early. I know they're so cute, and you don't want to punish them because they're tiny babies. But the Bible says if you love them, you will start helping them early. You will nurture them. Nurture? You will nurture them early. Because if you don't nurture them early, you can't help their mind, and you can't help their morals. The child needs to know early that if I do something wrong, there are consequences and repercussions for every action that I do. And as a father, it is your job to do that. The mama cannot be the only person in the house who punishes the child. Now, my house was very unique. However, um, you listen, if you want to know how awesome my mom and dad are, you got to look at Brock and Kyle, Okay. Brock and Kyle are so good. These kids, they got nothing on their records. They just clean as a whistle. Uh, you, you can't really look at me as, a, as an example of how awesome my mom and dad were because I was just bad because I wanted to be bad and couldn't nobody make me good. I just wanted to be bad. All right? But my mom was an emotional punisher. She would hit you on every syllable with whatever was close by. A shoe, a, a, a 
a coat, a hat. I've been spanked with all kinds of things, all kinds of objects. And mom would just get mad and, 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 and spank you. And she, mom was angry. But my dad, very rarely in my childhood did I see my dad angry when he punished us. My dad was real methodical. My dad would make you go get the switch or the belt. Now, he had a belt, a special belt, that said Jerusalem on it. <laughs> and that's not a lie. He was trying to send us to the new Jerusalem. That's a, that's a true story. My dad had a belt, said Jerusalem. I don't know where he got it from. Maybe Jerusalem. It said Jerusalem on it. And my dad never wore the Jerusalem belt, never put it on. It was, he never wore the belt. It just sat on top of his, his, uh, his, his uh, dresser. And my dad would be like, all right, y'all boys, y'all getting a spanking. Go get the belt. Now, my brother Brock, he would just collapse. He would be like, oh, no. And I, I was always the one that had to go get the belt because my brother would become immobile with the idea that we were about to get spanked. So I would go get the belt. I would get Jerusalem. I would bring Jerusalem to my dad. And then my dad, my dad would sit us down, and, and he would very calmly, you know, be like, now, y'all tell me why y'all getting spanked. And honestly, I, I couldn't remember because there were so many things that was going on. It could have been a plethora of actions that I had taken. And I would just, you know, I would try to remember. He said, well, let me tell you why. You know, because your mom told you this, your mom told, I told you this, I told you that. You, we, we, if you did this. And so we would understand the consequence of what we had done. Oh, yeah, okay, I see now. If I had listened, I wouldn't be getting this banker right now. And then my dad would tell us, he would always give us a number. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you three times. It was always a number. And that was good because you knew that there was coming an ending. It was going to end. Now, mama just spanked you until she got tired. No joke. I think my brother, I think I was like 14. My brother Brock was 16, and he had brought home a bad grade or something. And for Brock, that may have been like a C. Um, and so, like, she was spanking Brock. Just, oh, I tell. And Brock just reached back there and grabbed the belt from her and just said, Mom, you got to stop. You can give yourself a heart attack. And that's the last time she spanked us, that time right there. He, just, he was like, Mom, you, you're, not, you're not doing anything. This is horrible. You're embarrassing yourself. He took the belt from her, and then he calmed her down, and he handed back the belt. This is a true story. And I was sitting there like, oh, you're going to die. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff is going to kill you. But he's alive today. It's crazy. And um, here's, here's why I believe this is because God, in God's plan. Now, listen, you, you got to hear me today. Everything works better in God's plan. Everything works better in God's plan. The way God designed, like you cannot, you cannot take a Ferrari in the ocean. It is an amazing machine, amazing machine. It can do all kinds of stuff, but it will not drive through a river. It wasn't designed that way. And you cannot go back to the Lamborghini dealer and be like, man, this thing is a piece of trash. It will not work. Well, what happened? Well, I tried to drive it, you know, through the ocean, and it, I, didn't get, I didn't get half a mile. And it just stopped working. But that's not what it was designed for. That's silly. It's also not designed to climb mountains. There are vehicles that are designed for that. 
but you're not going to take a Ferrari and a Lamborghini up a mountain. It's just not going to work. It's, it's not built that way. Me and you, our lives, our lives, we are continually trying to do things with our lives that God didn't design us to do. And we get in trouble, and then here we come to God like, God, it's not working. And God's like, because I never told you to do that with it. It's not, you're not, you're not, you're not, I didn't make it that way. I made it a certain way. And if you do it in the certain way, it's going to work every time. And now I made it difficult for you to work in the certain way. Because sometimes as fathers, it's very easy to just forget we have children and let our wives handle everything. I'm talking to some men in here today, and sometimes myself included. Well, it's easy when you have a good mama just to let her parent and you just hang out in the background. But that's not doing it God's way. Fathers have been mandated to nurture. It is your job to say, hey, why are you getting punished early, betimes? Chastise him early. And if you want to read this in a, in, in a better 2022 you know, version so we don't get in trouble, he that doesn't punish his son hates him. But he that loves him will punish him early on, early as a child. Your children need to know that there are things that you are not going to put up with as a father. They need to know early, early that, hey, when dad comes in this room, all, all the humor stops. All of it stops. I remember just a, just a few weeks ago, Brother Yusuf come to me. Brother Yusuf said, man, this is so, it's so weird. He said, them kids over there in that Sunday school, they so bad. He said, they're everywhere. He said, but as soon as I walk in the room, it's just like they all just calm down. And you're like, well, you know, that's because, no, 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 no. Listen, stop, stop trying to blame God's design on other things. Those children are genetically predisposed. God made them in a certain way that when there is a male figure, they feel different. We got to stop trying to take our culture and put it on top of God's plan. It doesn't work like that. It's never going to work like that. Matter of fact, our culture is awful today because we keep trying to make it work like that. There's just a God thing. Well, you know, it's just better when a man comes around. No, it's, it's just not just that. No, it's that those children early, early, there is just a different feeling when a man says, hey, stop that. This is Bible. I mean, it's not, well, you know, these kids today. No, it's not these kids today. It's the kids, every child ever born on this planet that was made by God, which means all of them have a predisposed authoritative implant inside of them that know I'm supposed to listen to that. And fathers, we are doing our children no benefit by not stepping up and saying, hey, I'm willing to have the hard conversation. I'm, I'm willing to set my children down. Now, not only does he say in Ephesians chapter 6 that we should be nurturers, but he also tells us to Bring them up in the nurture and admonition 
of the Lord. Yeah. Now, admonition means a rebuke or a warning. Here, here's what it means, actually. A mild rebuke or warning. An admonition is not a hard rebuke. It's a mild rebuke. And it's a warning. Listen to me, fathers. No one's going to warn your child but you. They're not. They're not going to. You have to be willing to look at your kid and say, hey, this is a bad idea. And not only is it a bad, is it a bad idea, it's so bad, I'm honestly not going to let you do it. And I'm going to take your iPad, your iPhone, I'm going to take your gaming system, I'm going to take your car, I'm going to stop paying your insurance, I'm going to stop. I'll do whatever I got to do. I know you're not going to like me, but I don't see no place in this Bible where God asked you to like me or me to like you. God asked you to honor me, and that's a whole different than like. But here's the deal. There was a lot of times I didn't like my dad, but now as a 43-year-old man, I'm like, I really like that dude. I really like him because he ended some relationships that I was in because he was just so hard. He made me in those relationships, and I was mad. But if I would have been with them, I wouldn't be here. He made me get rid of some stuff I didn't want to get rid of. But I know if I, I can see now if I never got rid of it, I wouldn't be here. He put me in situations I didn't really want to be in. But if he wouldn't have put me there, I wouldn't be here. Because it just wasn't about just leading and guiding and teaching and educating and tutoring, but it was also about rebuking and warning. Hey, we don't do that. Well, Billy and them get to do it. Well, we ain't Billy and them. God bless Billy and them. We love Billy and them, but we're not Billy and them. Well, Sally, and her mom lets her, listen, that's Sally's mom. I'm not Sally's mom, I'm your mama. I'm, I'm, I, I'm your dad, and, and this is my home, and I'm the priest of this home, and God asked me to warn, rebuke, to tutor, to educate in your mind and your morals. Me and you are so worried about the math grade, we're not, we don't care about the moral grade. We'd rather our kids get A's and B's and send them off to some college that's going to teach them all kinds of humanism. And they have no morals built into them. All they have is good education, but no morals. You know, that education, that education, I don't care how good they are at math. I don't care how good they are at engineering. I don't care. That education is not going to help them say no when the time comes. And I'm not, listen, don't, don't miscommunicate me today and say, well, you know, pastor don't care about education, he don't care about college, he don't care about all that stuff because nothing could be further from the truth. I believe in all of that. But who cares if your kid is smart if they have no morals? This is, this, is, this is why me and you today in 2022, because we have so much information, you know, we, we get to watch people. You ever, you ever watch somebody get a contract? I, in, in my lifetime, 
I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a young man get a million dollar, $20 million, $100 million contract and get caught up on a gun charge before he can even get to the team to play. And I'm like, what? What, what were you doing? You're about to get $100 million. Why was you driving around with a Glock? Why? Boy, you was foolish. You lost all that money over trying to be hard. You know why? Because he was really good at school, really good at the sport, had no morals. No one ever taught him morals. No one ever said, hey, will you do not hang out with those kind of people. Well, those are my friends, bro. They are not your friends. Yeah, they are. They're closer to me than anybody else. They're my brothers. They're not your brothers. Because when that, when that gun charge comes up, guess what? They're going to bail on you, and you're going to take the rap. You're going to serve the time. You're going to lose the money. they not got no scholarships. You got the scholarship. What are you doing with them? There's got to be a man that'll stand up and say, hey, we don't do these things. We got to teach morality, teach mind. This is how we think, and this is how we act. Admonition, exhortation, punishment. Brothers in the Lord, fathers in this room, I give you the authority. I loose you today. I loose you today to tutor and educate. And say no. Don't let, don't let your wife be the only no in the house. Say no as well. And listen, sometimes if your wife can't communicate that no, and it's just an angry no, then it's up to you to sit down and say, hey, listen, I know your mom's mad right now, but that's mom. The Bible said, I, I, I'm going to make some of y'all mad, but it's okay, just, just love me anyway. The Bible says she's the weaker vessel, not me. I didn't say that. The Bible says she's the weaker vessel. So, yes, she's mad. She done threw your clothes out in the street. But listen, listen, listen to dad. This is why, this is why your mama's mad. Don't you dare let your wife be mad alone. If you got to be the voice of reason, baby, be the voice of reason. But it ain't for nothing. You got to be able to sit there and say, listen, this is why this is happening. Because, I mean, let me show you a principle. Because your mama knows if you keep doing this, you're going to end up like this. And she's, and she's not mad. She's terrified. She's terrified that you're going to lose your life, lose your ministry, lose your calling because you're over here doing some stupid stuff. And I'm not trying to hold you back. I'm not trying to punish you. But I, I have a biblical mandate to nurture and admonish you to say, hey, listen, this is a warning. This is a rebuke. You, you, you can't go here. There needs to be a voice in the home that'll say, hey, this is why. My father was so good at saying no, I hardly ever heard that man say yes for nothing. I knew that if I wanted a yes from my dad, I would definitely have to ask my mom first. Now, if my mom said no, it was a definite no. And if I, went to my, if I went to my dad and asked him, and he asked me, what did your mom say? First of all, you had two options. You could tell the truth, and you could say mom said no, or you could lie, and you could say mom told me to ask you. Now, dad was going to find out the truth, 
Now, if mom had already said no and you came to dad, you was all automatically in trouble. Jeff was, you, you, you was getting a spanking automatically because a mom no was, was a guaranteed dad no. And, and for you to ask mom and she told you no and then for you to ask him, he did not like that. So you was going to be in trouble. But if you went to mom and got a yes, that was good. It, it at least added some points into the column. So when you came to daddy, you say, hey, dad, can I, whatever, whatever. And he said, what your mom said? Oh, mom said it was okay. You, you, you had a little advantage. Now, that didn't mean dad was going to say yes. Because he did not want to contradict her no, but he would contradict her yes all day long. <laughs> he, he didn't mind. He would never contradict the no, but he didn't mind contradicting the yes. He'd be like, yeah, mom said yes. Well, nah, I'm saying no. And that was a no. That was a guaranteed no. You, you didn't go back to mom. And try to convince mom. You know, you could try, and I did on many occasions, but then that was a big mess. We have to have fathers that are willing to just say no every once in a while. No, you, you can't go. No. Nope, not today. Not with them. Definitely not with them. We're living in a culture, and nobody wants to say no anymore. It's becoming a curse word in our home. The problem is, is that how in the world will your children ever know what a yes can feel like if you never say no? When I sat down with my father, I've told this story before. When I sat down with my father to tell him that I felt in the Holy Ghost to come start a church in Loganville, Georgia, at the time, it, I didn't even have a place. When I sat down with my father and I said, Dad, me and Amanda feel like we might go start a church. Now, you got to understand that we had already left his church, uh, you know, five to six years prior. And we had been evangelizing for that long. And God had really blessed our efforts in the evangelism field. And we were, you know, what would be considered to be, uh, you know, premier evangelist. We traveled all over, and my schedule was full, and there were people on a waiting list. And that, I'm not trying to be boastful. I'm just trying to tell the truth. Like, my dad knew that. My dad had friends, you know, telling him, man, court's, been, court's out here killing it. It's just unbelievable. He's doing a great job. So my dad knew that what I was doing was, was good. And, he, and, he, and see, I was terrified that when I would go to my, ask my father, hey, we want to start a church, that he would be like, you've lost your mind. You're doing great. Why would you do that? I could just hear. I could hear. Because that's, that's my dad. Like my dad, like my dad never just was like, yeah. He always had something to say. There was always some kind of angle that my dad was working. And he, he, he was a good, he, he is and was a good father. And very rarely did he just give a no or a yes. It's not, not the way my dad communicated. Very rarely would he just be like, no. And very rarely by yes, he would always say no because, and he would give you a whole list of why you couldn't do it and to the point where he just hurt your feelings. And you'd be like, well, you're right. Man, he got me. And if he, was, if, if he would say yes, he would, you know, he would never just say yes. He would start that yes with like, well, why, why this? You know, why that? Why? And he would interrogate you. And if, if, if he heard the right things from you, then he would say yes. Now, I don't know if any of y'all have ever been interrogated by your dad. 
Anybody got a dad that interrogates? So I'm a dad be interrogating you. Like, why this? Well, why, why you want to do that? Well, t- tell me why you want. You're like, man, I, can I or can I not? Like, my gosh. I'm, I'm going to be taking truth serum here in a minute. So when I, when I sat down to, ask my, to tell my father what I felt in the Holy Ghost, I knew. This is what I knew for sure. I knew, you know, why you want to do that, who you've been talking to, where you're going, you know, what's going on, are you unhappy? I knew it was 25 questions coming. And so I didn't even want, so I, I left my wife at home. I said, Amanda, stay home because I didn't want her to be there for the interrogation. Like, just let me deal with this myself. Let me, I'm going to take all this interrogation because my father, I knew, I, I know him. And I knew it just wasn't going to be a, oh, okay. And when I sat down and I shared my heart with my mother and father, the first words out of my dad's mouth was yes. And, you know, I'm sitting at the table and I'm, you know, I'm like a child again. I'm a grown man with children, but I'm like a child, you know, like, you know, just feel like, you know, the Lord. Because, you know, not only is my father... Not only my father, but he's my pastor too. And I'm like, you know, I feel like the Lord's just calling, you know, me and Amanda. We kind of feel like, you know, we we might, you know, you know, depending on what you say, you know, we might start a church. I mean, that's like, yes. I'm like, I look at my mom immediately, like, did you say yes? Like, I'm looking for the affirmation. Like, did he just say? Like, did he? and I look at my dad, and he's like, yes, it's gonna be great, awesome. God's called you to do this. I was hoping that this is what you was gonna do. And as he's saying that, yes. I realized that my entire childhood, my entire young adult life was like for this moment because I'd never seen my dad respond like that to anything that I'd asked or anything that I wanted to do, never in my life. And so I knew that what God was doing in me, he was confirming it through my authority. Here's what I felt. I felt like his words in my life were, it was my covering. I I had trepidation and I had fear about doing this, what we're, we're sitting in right now. I had trepidation and fear about this. But when my father began to say, yes, this is going to be great, you're going to do great things, all that fear started to literally leave. And I felt the protection of my father and I felt the protection of my pastor. I felt the protection of my leadership come on me. And I knew that no, no matter where I go, at this time I didn't even know I was coming to Atlanta. I didn't even know I was coming to Loganville. I had no idea. I never, when I sat with my father at that meeting, I never heard the word Loganville in my life. I didn't know this was a place. But I knew that no matter where I went, no matter what I walked into, I was going to be good. I was going to be protected because in that moment, as someone submitted to a father who was submittable to. As, 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 a, as a young preacher who was submitted to, to my father, to my man of God, who was submittable to me submitting to him and him having a system of training, tutoring, education, rebuke, reproof. He had put this system on me so when I heard him say yes, I knew I could walk into it and I was going to be okay because that is the armor of God. You see it tied in now. As a servant with the master, understanding that I'm serving Christ and the master loves me and I'm serving him and I have built it. When I do something, I know I'm, I'm going to be successful because that's the armor. That's the protection of the authority that I walk in. Fathers, 
if you do not start betimes early. If you don't start early teaching your children that I'm not always going to be the yes guy. But sometimes I'm going to interrogate you. I'm going to ask you questions. I'm a, because there's coming a time in that child's life when they won't be a child anymore. And they'll be making life decisions. And when they hear that voice, they'll say, that's God. And they'll walk into their calling with a surety, power, understanding, and protection because they understand the system. The system is so far off right now. We're so far gone from the system that we need to reestablish it. And today, if you're in this room, and I'm, I'm closing, today if you're in this room and you had a father or you have a father that's jabbed you a little bit, interrogated you, said no, told you to get rid of some friends you had, told you can't go to that place, no, you're not hanging out with them, you ought to get on the phone today and say, hey, thank you for nurturing and admonishing me because we need it today more than we've ever needed it before. We need fathers that aren't afraid to be the bad guy because biblically, it's our job to nurture and admonish our children. Amen. Would you stand with me? Has this been all right today? Ain't nobody mad at me? I don't, I don't, I, sometimes when I teach stuff like this, I'm like, man, I, ain't nobody gonna be here next Sunday. They, make people mad, get up in their business. Um, it, it's just Bible, and I think, I really believe that if we kind of get back to a Bible way of living, and it's hard, like it's really hard. When you look at this kind of stuff, you're like, man, it's so hard because it's so countercultural. That makes me feel like a, either an old fogey or I'm just going against the grain. But here's the deal. If we do it the way he designed it, it's going to work right. It's going to be right. It's going to work right. Amen. Lord, I thank you for your word. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.